Am I Reister or am I wrong? The late John Thompson, former Georgetown Hoyas coach, if he taught us anything, it's to stop cancel culture recruiting. And if you actually believe that the Big Ten shut down its $600 million business because of a presidential election, you, my friend, have been gaslit. Slow down on the college football is going to happen train. Playing the game between Austin P and Central Arkansas was the easy part. Chadwick Bozeman wasn't the hero that we deserved. He was the one that we needed. And my parting shot about NFL draft strategy, that the management means more than the talent in terms of a player's success. Am I Reister or am I wrong is the intersection where sports, business, society, and pop culture meet Monday, Wednesday, Friday, fire. Facts only here. Check your feelings at the door. This ain't the place for the left, the right, snowflakes, or social justice warriors, and absolutely no BS allowed because I keep it 100. And I tell you guys, I will never sell out the truth for you. I will bring it no matter what. And please leave a five-star rating wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're watching on YouTube, thumbs up, like the bell, all of that stuff. And make sure, most importantly, that you share with a friend. We grew 40% last month. We need to make it a better month. So send a text, an email, however you need to share. And if you want to get in touch with me, GWpodcast at unafraidshow.com. You can listen to me on the Pac-12 Apostles podcast and on Sundays on Fox Sports Radio, 2 to 5 p.m. Pacific. And then this week, I'll be on the Doug Gottlieb show a couple times on the fellas 7 to 11. So make sure you check it out. We are going to start today with uh, John Thompson. He just passed away. Former Georgetown Hoyas coach, national champion, and an all-around good man, a developer of men. Like, you could send him to your child, well, your child to him, and know that he was going to be a better man. He was going to be held accountable, that he was going to grow and learn. And if he didn't teach us anything, the thing that he we should learn from him is to stop cancel culture recruiting. Because how many times do we see uh, kids being recruited and it'll be on the news, it'll be on message boards, blogs, people will write articles. Oh, you shouldn't recruit this kid. He's been in trouble. He got arrested. Any of that. Look at Allen Iverson, who went on to be an NBA Hall of Famer. He was uh, sentenced to five years in prison while he was in high school for a Valentine's Day fight that happened at his school. Ended up throwing a chair, what whatever it was. He ended up getting in trouble. And all of his scholarship offers basically vanished. Except for John Thompson. Here he comes in with his cape saving the day. And Allen Iverson credits him with saving his life. But nowadays, a kid like Allen Iverson, who got in trouble, would not be either A, recruited, or fans People out in the public, people in the media would say, this is a bad apple. You cannot recruit him because he has not had a perfect past. And I subscribe to you that you can't just throw kids away. 
because they are not adults. They don't have, well, while they have control over their actions, they don't have control over their environment and the people who raised them. Same thing, whether it's a kid who got in trouble or a kid who grew up racist, like I talk about, about my former teammate at Oregon. You can't control that. But what you can do is once you get experience, life, you can do better. And you can't just throw these kids away because they got in trouble. Uh, prime example, another one, Karan Butler, who has gone on to start schools. He uh, does great charity work. He is a good man out in the world doing big time things to help the community, to help young, young boys who were like him. He was arrested 15 times by the time he was 15. That doesn't mean that you should, that everybody gets a second chance. Everybody gets a 15th, 16th chance. It just means that we cannot throw recruits away because of their past environment, which they didn't have control over. And this idea that they knew right and wrong and know their kids, they were taught this and you have to unlearn it. Imagine how many things that you have unlearned that your great parents taught you, even if you have really good parents. There are things that we have had to grow and evolve at as we get older and we mature and the world changes around us. So we have to stop this cancel culture recruiting because these kids are not uh, irredeemable. They have value and a lot of times their environment set them up for failure they, and to not even get into the systematic racism but, but behind it. But these kids weren't always given the same opportunities and as everybody else. So throwing them away is a bad move. And John Thompson, Lord rest his soul, may the man rest in power. I mean, he coached great men like uh, Patrick Ewing, Dikembe Mutombo, uh, Alonzo Mourning, and Allen Iverson. And let's follow his legacy and not throw our youth away, but let's educate them, reform them, and give them opportunities. Next thing up, college football is having a showdown right now, and it's playing out on social media. You have types like Clay Travis saying, oh, you can just play. The Big Ten is stupid. Uh, forget the long-term health effects, even though we don't know them. Oh, it's all fine. I mean, and not just him. You have a bunch of people talking the same thing. But if you actually believe that the Big Ten has disrupted its $600 million business because of a presidential election, you, my friend, have been gaslit. Because look at the uh, college football in general. The only reason why they are playing is because of money. The Big Ten generates the most money. They pay out the most money to each individual schools over $50 million. So if you think that they are shutting down this, this behemoth of a business for a presidential election, you, my friend, have are, are susceptible to low quality information. I know that we all want to believe in these in these magical conspiracy theories that there's some uh powers behind uh behind the scenes, Wizard of Oz pulling all the strings. That can be true on some level, but that's not the answer. The Big Ten legitimately had to believe that there was either some financial, serious financial ramica ramifications that were going to be bigger than the income, 
or they really believed that they could not pull it off. And that leads me to that there was an FCS game this weekend between Austin P and Central Arkansas. And you had people going on. See, it was a success. It was a success. How? We don't know if it were a success or not because claiming success after a game when you don't know the results for at least two weeks is foolish. And truthfully, playing the games is the easy part. That's the easy part. Because you can go out there for three hours, go out there, play a game. That's the easy part. It's the after and before effects that are the issue. Keeping all the players healthy while traveling, while trying to integrate students on campus, which I've said from the beginning, was a terrible idea. And there is a huge difference between testing in the NFL, which the players were initially tested three, four times a week, NBA's playing in a bubble, MLB's tested all over the place. They couldn't even keep all the MLB games from uh, from being canceled. They've had postponements, cancellations, all of that. Then there's a tick down to the FBS, the Power 5 schools. Their testing regimens are different because they have more money. Then down to the non-Power 5 schools. Then down to the FCS schools. Then down to high school. So these FCS teams are not being tested at the same rate, so we don't know what's going to happen. So playing the games is the easy part. Last week, at the end of last week, we just found out that LSU had like 14 of their 18 linemen test positive. Maybe add Orgeron too. And then you had Jamar Chase, their all-star wide receiver, be like, nah, I'm going to the NFL draft. Why do you think that is? Why do you think? It's not because there is some uh, conspiracy theory. No, because he looked at it and was like, ah, I'm not taking my chances over here. And the problem is, is that there are no protocols for stopping or starting or continuing to it. Everybody is on their own. Alabama's had over a thousand Corona cases since they have started school like a week or two ago. Hmm. Things are off the charts. You're going to have athletes test positive. But like I said already. It, this is more for the colleges. It's more about the tuition money because that's way more than I mean, it just dwarfs the athletic department money. And it also comes from two different buckets. You have Notre Dame. Now they announced that there will be 20 percent capacity at the stadium with priority given to students. Those same students who they can't stop from partying, who are going to be tailgating, drinking, all of that. Florida's trying to do the same thing. You let me know how this works out for the community, even if you can keep the the player safe, because there is an issue that we do not know the long term health effects. And that's why you are seeing so many players opt out. We're seeing reinfection rates in the country. I'm not saying that you should not try to play, but I stand by what I said still until I am proven otherwise. If the SEC were supposed to start today. Because Greg Sankey, their commissioner, who has been probably the most prudent kind of let's wait and see, if they had to play on September 12th like the Big 12 was trying to do, they would be shut down right now. And so the SEC is just hoping against hope right now, and I believe that they will probably be the first conference to shut down.
still stand by by that until I see something otherwise. But with all the heat that the Big Ten is taking, uh, these conferences are going to be very gun shy on doing that. Chadwick Bozeman, man, that was unexpected. On Friday, we found out that the man passed away and he was not the hero that we deserved because we don't deserve a hero like him. He was the hero that we needed, though. And I was thinking, why is it such a big deal? Like, why was this this outpouring emotion for this man? It's not just because he made uh, he was in Avengers Civil War, Endgame, Captain America, all, all these things. It's not because of that. It's because of Black Panther and 42 and what these things meant to people, particularly Black Panther and how he fought. Like this man was diagnosed with stage four cancer and I'm sorry, stage three cancer in 2016, made all these movies in four years and then passed away. And on a side note, like we all need friends and family like Chadwick Boseman. Because the people closest to him knew what he was fighting through. Nobody leaked it. Nobody spilled the beans. Nobody talked to TMZ secretly. No, they kept his secret. I don't know how many people knew, but the people that knew, oh, they kept that thing 100. And that was absolutely admirable. And when he died, I, I, I was the first person in my family to see it. I told my kids, told my wife, told my parents, all that, and... They were just like, they were broken up. And I was too. Because his character in Black Panther, which has been greatly celebrated around the world, over a billion dollar movie. This was the fact that we had a black superhero. But why is that such a big deal? Because people will say, well, race shouldn't matter. It should not matter. And I get it. And I understand why white people a lot of times they'll say, well, why are you talking about race? Why does the race of this uh, character even matter? And I understand why if pretty much everything out in society looked like you, you would say, I don't understand. It's just normal to me. I don't see what it is because it looks like you. So but when you're a kid and you grow up. And you never see anybody that looks like brown skin, dark skin, hair like yours. You notice it. It's not because people point it out to you. It's because you notice it. And heroes are people that kids look up to. And when you look and you see that people that people look up to, idolize and look at it in a positive way, they're always they don't look like you. That creates a self-esteem issue within yourself. And when your characters a lot of times in movies portrayed in in uh, in culture, all of that are negative, that creates a problem as well. When you're drug dealers, gang members, all of this, all these typecast things like they talked about in Hollywood Shuffle, those things matter. But there have been more black superheroes over the last few years. You've had Luke Cage. Uh, Miles Morales in the Ultimate Spider-Man, which has been good. Misty Knight, who is in Luke Cage as well. But then you go back, you had Storm. You had the Originator, which was Wesley Snipes and Blade. But kids couldn't really look up to that because 
It was half vampire. It was rated R. It was a big success, but still. But what the reason why Black Panther was such a big deal and what Chad Mc, Chadwick Boseman great, gave us in this great performance was that proving even further to the movie industry who didn't believe that black movies could quote unquote travel. That means that they will do well internationally as well as domestically. He broke barriers. He burst through the ceilings as far as that. I mean, like we have seen over the last few few years, you don't have to have negative black characters. You got Get Out. You got Black Panthers straight, uh, straight out of Compton where those men have turned out to be one of them even a billionaire now. And Dr. Dre, Hidden Figures, Moonlight, Green Book. I mean, people like Den Denzel Washington, M M Mahershala, Taraji P out here doing fantastic things and it needs to be acknowledged. And that's why Chadwick Boseman's impact was so big. Last thing up, my parting shot has to do with NFL draft strategy. And this comes on the heels of the Jaguars waving Leonard Fournette. And it proves my draft strategy that you should, number one, draft a player by their floor and not by their ceiling. Well, it makes sense, more sense to draft a player by their floor. Like what is the worst possible thing that you're going to get with this player? Take, for instance, when Cam and Andrew Luck were first coming out and then uh, Andrew Luck decided to go back to school. I was on the record as saying I would have taken Andrew Luck because I thought his floor was lower. Thought Cam's ceiling could potentially be higher. But the worst thing that you were going to get with Andrew Luck, provided that he stayed healthy, was a 10 year NFL uh, uh, veteran. You're going to have a shot at the playoffs almost every single year and maybe a shot or two at a Super Bowl. But he didn't stay healthy the whole time. But but that's the point. And the other part is that management and coaching is the most important thing. It is the most important thing for a young player's development and success. We've seen with Adam Gase, the coach of the Jets now, who was down with the Dolphins, his offensive players in particular, aside from the backups who came in filling in for somebody who they had their best years either before they got to Adam Gase or after they left Adam Gase. Now look at the Jaguars, who have had Jack Del Rio, who's my former coach, who drafted me. They've had Mike Malarkey, Gus Bradley, and Doug Marone as their active head, head coaches. Here is what their drafts have looked like. Mind you, since I got drafted in 2003, there have only been, well, the only people who have been with the team for five years out of their first round draft picks, you have Reggie Williams, who was there for five years, Tyson Alulu, and Mercedes Lewis. That's it from, from 2017 all the way back to when I got drafted. That includes Justin Blackman, Luke Jokel, Blake Bortles, Dante Fowler, Jaden Ramsey, uh, Leonard Fournette, Blaine Gabbert, Eugene Monroe, Derek Harvey, uh, Reggie Nelson, Matt Jones, <laughs> Byron Leftwich. Come on, man. Like that proves that management matters because players have to be held accountable but it's the same for coaches 
Like, were these players surrounded by the type of assistant coaches to put them in the best position to not only physically, but mentally and emotionally succeed? Like, successful teams figure this out. They draft by the floor, and then they also surround their kid, their young guys, with veterans to show them the right way and good coaches who are going to uh, help them mature, not only as players, but outside, which then impacts the inside of the building as well. Am I Reister or am I wrong? I'm probably Reister, but if not, leave a comment and hit me up and make sure you share. Peace out.